the average good laundromat's doing 25000 a month. I know one guy that runs a little uh, HVAC company, they're doing over $5 million a year. 30% of your people wash their car once a month. So at a $29.95, you are printing cash. I have a tent. I buy my product. I said, I'll make fifty dollars to $100,000 in three weeks. All right, I'm back with... The side hustle legend, as I like to call this guy. You may have seen him on YouTube and everything else. He's got a couple of laundromats. He's got some car washes. He's got over 100 rental properties. He's got over 5 million followers across social media, over 40 vending machines. Um, He's doing the boring business model that my good friend Cody Sanchez likes to do as well. He's a good dude overall. I got none other than investment joy. What's up? What's up with you? You know, so this is our second episode. I, I was looking. I was like, man, it's been over a year since. Yes, it has. At John. We, we met at FinCon. Yep. That was what it was, right? Yes, they was, it was Austin, Texas. And uh, I ran into your crew and they said, oh, we're with Ryan Padeda. You want to do a show tomorrow? And they just texted me an address, which is oddly still on my phone. It still shows up <laughs> where you were filming that really cool house. and The house was cool. Yeah, the house is super cool. And uh, I said, you should go do that. And I thought, wow, I, well, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. I remember that day I filmed seven podcasts in one day. Yes, you did. So like seven I, hours of just. I was so impressed. With your, <laughs> your, you, t- you call me, you know, like I, I do all these side hustles and that's like the hustle is filming all those interviews back to back and Airbnb and just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know, staying mentally sharp for that long of conversation is definitely a hard thing. But today, you know. It's just one. It's just you. I and believe me. I'm thrilled. So I'm, I'm going to so give happy. you my all. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. But uh, no, I ran into you at my event, my Tyke Summit mm-hmm. event. Um, you you were at the after party. Yes, I was. And you were here for what were you here for? Again? I was here uh, to speak at a laundry conference. There yeah. was one at the Circa, and I was one of the I, one of the big speakers there. So these laundry conferences, they're just for people who own laundromats. Yeah, either people that own laundromats or want to get laundromats. You know. Right. It's a $5 billion industry and there's not a lot of big players there or there's just not a lot of players total. Right. So if you can consolidate and scale in the laundromat industry, it's just like anything else, anything that's like physically demanding old, old world, like hustle, non-tech fields, you know, for me, there's just a lot of room to grow and scale in those. Yeah. Got it. So for those who don't know, right, because I had Cody Sanchez speak at my event. She's got a bunch of laundromats Mm -hmm. and... I'm looking at laundromats like, dude, I ain't got time for this. Like, who even still uses laundromats? Like, everyone has a washer and dryer at home, but that's obviously not the case. So, what do the finances on a laundromat look like? It depends on the kind of laundromat, but um, there, there, and there's becoming two models. One's just coin operated laundry where you are renting water and um, utilities to people that need to clean their clothes. And a lot of that market is lower end people, people who don't have that washer or dryer or people who don't have big washers or dryers and they just need to clean their clothes. And that's, I, I if memory serves right, that's like a three or $4 billion industry as a total, it's just coin operated laundry, come and wash your clothes. Then the other segment that's uh, pretty cool is the wash dry fold and uh, Uber for laundry, which we actually talked a little bit about that in Austin, Texas. And that it segment has just grown incredibly just going to people's houses, picking up their dirty clothes and returning them within X amount of hours. Um, I, Cody's big into that um, system. I know we talked about it. I, I didn't realize that that's where a lot of her laundromat performance comes from. Okay, so she's not doing the coin model. She she does, but I asked her revenue numbers off camera on the the video that we did. She came to Ohio in September and filmed with me. Okay. And we started actually breaking the numbers down off camera, which of course was stupid not to film it. <laughs> a lot of her income was from the wash dry fold, which is lower margin than coin op. Coin op has a really high margin. Um, wash dry folds low margin because it's employee heavy. But the thing is with that, um, the scale is super high because you're going after more affluent people. I know um, a big operator that's in the Bayside of California and uh, they're one little laundromat. My, my laundromat does like 10 grand a month. They're doing 75 grand a month for just pickup and they're not in a location much bigger than I am. That's big business. It's huge business. And I know Cody, she said her top laundromat is doing $1.5 million a year. Yeah. And she, she had mentioned on stage that she's only looking for businesses that are already making a million bucks. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like it's kind of impossible with the coin model 
to do that. Um, million bucks. Yeah, I, um, I, I just, you know, I spent a week with the, the biggest top guys. The average good laundromat's doing 25000 a month gross, not net. Net's about 35% margin. Yep. So you're doing six to $7,000 a month, mostly in quarters, as, term as, net, as far as your net goes. Um, the, the bigger guys, I run into a couple that are doing in the sixty to 70000 um, a month gross and in one location, best I ever ran into that was pure coin op was 3 million a year. And that pure was coin op. pure coin op. And that was the best of the best and the best. And some crazy, <laughs> How did they get so many people like it's uh, just Bro- this they're massive in, place They're in Brooklyn or Manhattan. And okay. they're like the only laundromat within X, I don't know, like a couple blocks. And it's just incredible. It just kills it. Yeah. And they have their, their, their margin on that one's really bad because, um, it's attended 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. They actually have people in there helping the customers facilitating transactions, which is a lot of work. It's just, that's, that's a terrible model. But, mm. you know, for some family in New York City, you know, they've been, they've been clearing four hundred, five hundred thousand $500,000 a year net. Yeah. For, for years. So, the folding ones, though, what do you see on that model? Um, the margins are lower. Uh, and by that, I mean, they're clearing about 20% margin. But um, I have a friend, he does commercial laundry, too, uh, along with uh, Wash Dry Fold. So he's getting, like, the state of Nevada con- contracts, all of the uniforms for, say, the police department. And those contracts for him have been, have been extremely lucrative. Um, much higher margin than 20% on the consumer facing, but then you have to have an actual sales side negotiating with the government. Mm-hmm. But I guess on a gross revenue perspective, those ones can do over a million bucks oh, a year. Easy, yeah. easy million a year. Some of those contracts are a million dollars per contract. Right. So um, I don't want to say what other clients you have, but the, you know, fortune 50 companies. Right. And those uh, laundry contracts can be a million plus a piece. Right. So that's what Cody's focus is yes. to get over the million dollar revenue yep. mark. Um, yeah, I mean, laundromats, like somebody was telling me, I can't remember who it was that they had just sold like 50 or a hundred laundromats in a package and, and made a bunch of money. Yes. Is that, is that your plan? Like, what's yes. the deal? Yeah. So I, like, um, I want to start a fund in the near future and I want to go after like the ones and twos that have really good operators and use use them in order to like build what would be like a laundromat and car wash franchise. Cause I, I, I run into so many people that I think would be great operators, but they have a really terrible time with the financial aspect. Cause a lot of these laundromats, you're, you're hard pressed to find one for under half a million dollars. And for someone that's really passionate about starting a business and wanting to get in something like something like that, it's really difficult. Um, so my thought is, well, if I had a fund, I could probably just go buy the real estate and I could buy the operation out and I could elect them as the operator. It's essentially what Cody Sanchez is doing at scale. I'm, just, I'm not, not coming up with my own idea here. Yeah. When I've talked to her about her operations, I'm like, how does she own 20 some car washes? She owns like 24 laundromats. And I'm like, I own one laundromat. I do a lot of the work there. And she's like, well, I don't do any of the work there. We have operators in mm-hmm. place. So then she owns the location. She owns the laundromat. And then she installs operators as managers. And, you know, to me, I'm like, that's the easiest way to scale an operation like that. Mm-hmm. But then again, she doesn't want to buy anything over that's doing more, less than a million dollars a year. And for me, I'm, I, I would be okay or comfortable with getting into some that are, you know, half a million a year. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not any different than what I've done with all my businesses. You know, I will not start a business without an operator in place, you know. Now, granted, I haven't been buying businesses. We are going to be buying businesses um, this year through my company, Pineda Ventures. So for anyone who wants to sell us a business, PinedaVentures.com is coming soon. Might even be out by the time this podcast goes. Um, But yeah, we're focused on it. I I don't necessarily want laundromats. I'm, I'm interested in real estate businesses. So lenders, title companies, inspection companies, Mm -hmm. like these things I understand in real estate. Um, And then two education companies, we understand education very well. And so we're very interested in education companies. And then three would be tech companies um, in regards to either of those two fields, because we have a great development team. And, you know, I'm very interested in the tech side of things. So anybody's got anything in those buy boxes, I'm interested. Yeah. And, and obviously you're crushing it in social media and you've built so much infrastructure, just looking around your facility. It's awesome. And with you having all that infrastructure, that's you're going to be the, an awesome play for you and whoever 
wants to contribute to that. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. So laundromats, you know, they're, well, who would you say a laundromat's good for? As an owner operator or an investor? Both. And in, an investor, um, someone that can run numbers and just understand your client base can help can help facilitate the transaction between, you know, a low end customer and your operator manager. Um, operator manager, somebody that's people focused and can understand just like um, I guess your client needs. There's right. a lot of laundromat operators there that hate their customers. And if you're not passionate, if as an operation site, if you're not passionate about low income people and can deal with their their problems, yeah, it's a terrible business to be in. Right. Um, car washes would be a little, a little bit better. That's mid high, but for a laundromat, you gotta have a passion for dealing with those kinds of people. But then, um, which is that's that's a skill set that a lot of people have. They're compassionate. They're empathetic with people but then they can't run numbers or run a business. Mm. So t- for me, it creates a really bad mix. And that's why you see so many rundown laundromats all across the United States. You have compassionate people, compassionate people, and they're terrible at running business. You have great people running a business and they're not compassionate. And they can't deal with customers mm. at all. So then that fails too. I've, I ran into a story recently, a uh, doctor bought, uh, and he set up a two, two or $2.5 million laundromat venture and he could not make, he could he, he could not run a profit on it at all. Right. And this is a very great location, New York. Um, guy comes in that's not a doctor, um, more financially astute as far as like boots on the ground, how to run an operation, uh, can deal with his customers a lot more. And he just turned it around. I think he's doing forty or fifty thousand dollars a month net, not gross. Mm. And so that ended up being you know he's putting half a million dollars in his pocket within six months of his acquisition from a doctor who could not operate it whatsoever. Right. Got it. So that being said, um, I think laundromats are, they're cool. You know, they're, they're not for everyone. Definitely. Um, I think if you're looking for consistent cash flow, predictable, that's going to always kind of have a spot in the world, even during a recession. Yeah. It's great. That's what Cody was talking about at the event. Um, and I think if you're a guy like me, you can just find good operators and yeah, it doesn't seem like it's rocket science operating no. one. It, it isn't. Um, you need to have somebody that can fix stuff when it breaks. You need to have somebody that can deal with customers when they're mad at you. Yep. And you need to be able to run books and That's do about, some marketing for it. That's about it. N- none of this stuff's rocket science. And, you know, and I don't want to tell somebody, oh, gosh, you, you know, I ha- I never want to be that guy that says, you should go get a laundromat now. I don't want to tell anybody to go get vending machines or whatever. I'm still at heart a real estate guy because all across the United States, I feel like that's the easiest thing for every person to get into. But I also don't want someone to look and say, well, I, the only way to build wealth long-term, I have to buy real estate because, you know, I'm from Southern Ohio. I know unbelievable numbers of guys that run multi six figure businesses and they're all running backhoes, they're running bulldozers, they're doing excavators, they're doing trenching. They run boots on the ground company and they just, they, they print money. I know one guy that runs a little uh, HVAC company, they're doing over 5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. It's funny because I used to only be a real estate guy because that was the first way I've ever really made money. And I was like, oh man, if you're not in real estate, you're dumb, mm-hmm. you know? And then I started all these other businesses and you know, I've seen what they can do, you know, mm-hmm. owning service-based businesses like my, my tax firm or like what you're saying with just these other, you know, random type businesses. And I'm like, man, these are great businesses, yeah. <laughs> right? Like they're very predictable. They have recurring revenue. Um, people are always going to need them. They're not truly influenced by the market. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, it's good to have a diversity of businesses that um, are very different <laughs> than the real estate market and the investment markets. So... um yeah, I, I agree with you. Real estate is not the only way to make yeah. active income, but I think you and I would both agree. I think everyone should invest in real estate Absolutely. from the active income. Yeah. And and if it, if I I would go even further, I said I would say that's the first thing you need to look at. And if you have to rule real estate out, then go on to the other stuff. You're saying make real estate your active income. Yes. I yeah. I, I love real estate. Um do you have a real estate license? Not anymore. I Not did anymore. for eight years. Okay, you did. So here's the funny thing I run into, because I was, I was sure that you had a real estate license. Graham Stephan had or has a real estate license. Yep. Meet Kevin had or has a real estate license. Mm-hmm. I could I, I figured out the list one day. That'd be a really great YouTube video for me to do. Yeah. Is all of the guys in the YouTube finance world that have made significant wealth, or they got their start yep. just from 
being a real estate agent. Yeah. And I'm like, that's an odd commonality. I still have a real estate license in the state of Ohio. I've had it since 06. Yep. And for me, that was life-changing. And it was like, that was my first step into the world of finance and business. Never, never dealt with it before. And then all of a sudden I started dealing with rich people, people who weren't chronically broke, like everybody I grew up with in Southern Ohio. And it just changed my life. And it's like, man, and, and it's the weirdness with the social media world. People watch me collect quarters on, <laughs> on TikTok, And I, I've got 500 and some million views on TikTok, 400 million something on YouTube and they watch me collect money, not from my laundromat, my vending machines. And they get this idea that, oh my gosh, this guy's showing an, a video entertainment of collecting quarters from a vending machine. This means that he's telling me that I should go out and do that. And I'm like, man, if I could get <laughs> all those people <laughs> and say, I'm like, can you just, just stop what you're doing and go learn about an FHA loan? And just go get yourself a duplex, just house hack. I'm like, I, I would much rather those near 1 billion people yeah, get that message. But Be, being a realtor or wholesaler or even doing Airbnb arbitrage mm -hmm. is a better career than owning a vending machine. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. But there's, but then, you know, there's always a but with the, 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 a caveat here. I run into a lot of people that say, I can't do the real estate thing. I just, I'm not capable of it. And, you know, okay, go get yourself a $500 vending machine off fa Facebook marketplace used. Go and try it out and see what happens. Right. And I, you know, I could go through my DMs. I got like 500 to 1,000 people and that changed your life. Yep. And I'm like, okay, this is great. But I don't want people to be the takeaway because I've also got run into people and they thought that the vending machine was the be all end all and they make a million dollars off of it. Yeah. It's kind of like with me and couch flipping. I'm like, hey, <laughs> couch flipping is a way to make money right now. And it's very easy, very low risk. Um, and it's a great way to get started. But mm -hmm. I do not want you to stay there. Yes. So I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, but you know what's interesting about those guys, Kevin and, and Graham, and they're, they're friends of both of ours. And um, I'll say this. I've had a different path than they have where I sucked as a realtor. No. <laughs> and so I literally was terrible. And I just basically had a license, realized I hated it, didn't use it well. And I got into side hustles and house hmm. flipping. And Interesting. I became a businessman. And then, you know, after making millions, I got into YouTube and everything else. They, on the other hand, were actually good realtors. Like they perfected their craft. They were great realtors. Um, and then they got into YouTube and everything really early. Mm. And that was where they made their millions. And then, you know, since then they, they're doing other things. Kevin's, you know, I don't know what Kevin's up to. He's doing a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, Graham's very content just being a personality. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't want to run businesses and mm -hmm. everything else, which is fine. Um, whereas I'm like, hey, I want to use my personality yeah. to get more businesses. I'm a businessman yeah. at heart. Yeah. And I, I've said this to a lot of people. I said, if I would have to, to bet, bet on one of you guys five years from now, like if I could invest like in you as a brand personality, like I would probably be putting all my money on you. I appreciate Because out of all, <laughs> all the people I've run into, because I've spent time with Kevin, I've spent time with Graham, spent some time with you. It's like, you are the most passionate business guy. And it's like, well, from our conversations, what I've seen and talking to people on your team, it's like, you'll do anything that makes sense that is in your skill set and you're growing your skill set, you're growing your infrastructure through all of it and you're cross selling your businesses, mm -hmm. which for me as a sales guy at heart, like I just, I just love that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be the next, um, I would say Cardone, but I feel like that would almost be too low of a hanging fruit for you. I'm <laughs> like, he'll be, I don't know what, what that would look if Cardone or someone of that notoriety owned a bunch of really cool businesses, did a lot of social media and was, you know, just a great person at heart. Like, it's like, I don't know how you're going to lose on any of this stuff. I appreciate that. I mean, look, it, we can all lose at any point. You know, right now, the recession sucks. I mean, like, for me personally, um, I've said it before, I'm going to lose seven figures on some house flips that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have a ton of house flips and like the market turned and it is what it is and it freaking sucks. Um, you know, and then we have some businesses that will thrive during the recession, some that are going to get hit. But I know, obviously, we'll make it through it, like you said, and we're going to come out stronger than ever. And, you know, we're going to continue to acquire, continue to do yeah. new things, and it's going to be great. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just love business, dude. I love business and helping people. I love creating content. And so I'm just going to do those three things. If I can do those three things, wherever the road leads, it leads. But that's my goal. Um, but for those listening, they're probably wondering about the vending machine thing. We were just kind of hating on them, but you got 40 of them. Yeah. So, so tell and me they, about it. They do good. Um, we got a lot of our car washes. Um, we got a lot more um, laundromat and other locations and stuff. And they're good because I just buy them used off Facebook Marketplace. There's no rocket science behind them. You buy, I buy mine used. I don't buy new. And I just find places to so put them. You don't buy those fancy ones that have credit cards and stuff? Um, we're going to go to credit cards on all the machines soon. But it's just that, that's a $300 module. You can retrofit something made from the 70s and put a credit card reader on them. Are they all just soda or do they have like um, whatever candy and stuff? So um, I've, I've got drinks, snacks and stuff. The one that I'm really looking at getting into are um, I'm trying to facilitate a deal to actually like um, like not acquire a company, but getting close for micro markets. Um, I think that, the you know, food deserts are a really big issue in the country. And I like the idea of some way to use artificial intelligence to automate the grocery process. Okay. Um, that's something that I'm really looking at, looking forward to, but you right, get chat GPT to automate it. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've talked to a company that, uh, does AI and it's like the chat GPT thing with facial recognition uh-huh. and customer lockouts. Like they were saying, you know, we can figure out your good customers and your bad customers, people that cause theft and damage at your laundromat. We can just lock them out of your store. And I had a conversation with a company over a year ago. I was like, you could do that. And they said, oh yeah, even, even if somebody's tailgating your business, um, we can lock my exercise tailgating, you know, when they're a foot behind a person they know is going to open the door, we'll make sure that they get locked out of your facility and the person that's your customer carrying laundry goes in and they're showing how the, that automation works, which is great. But still that's, that's high level vending machines are just, for me, they've been such an easy play. The first vending machine that I bought, I had $600, that red Coke machine that is in front of my laundromat. We paid that machine off after the cost of goods sold in like three weeks, maybe four weeks. (laughs) So $600 investment made $600 within the first month. And it's just been chugging along, making five, six, six, seven hundred dollars a month. And I've got other machines that I just got for free and they're, they're chugging along two, three, 400 bucks a month. Mm. So it's been good to me. Um, Obviously you're not going to get rich from it. It's just a nice thing to have, especially, I mean, would you do vending machines if there wasn't like a laundromat with it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it 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 all comes down to finding a place where there's a, uh, enough customers that either transit walking back and forth or they're sitting hanging around. So a place like a laundromat's great, but so is like an auto repair place. Like if you've got you know freestanding garage, a school, a school, schools. Oh my goodness, the, the schools would kill it. Oh, they do. And the thing is, I've got uh, clients of mine that I do coaching with, and they have got school contracts. I did coaching for this guy, and he went to the gov- a government, and he said, I want my vending machines in every single location that, that you have in the city. Mm-hmm. I think it was in Colorado. And he said, and uh, he, the city said, we cannot do that. And he figured out, he said, well, tell you what, um, I'll do some free vending machines as charity, and I'll put the label for this city on them. So it looks like the city is doing free vending for at-risk individuals mm. in the community. And just like that, he got 26 vending locations <laughs> with, the, with the city for free. Wow. Because he took the just, well. Good sales guy. He uh, found yeah. a creative way to do it. Yeah. And that's and that's what I love. I like so I, was, I was at this laundry conference. I was talking to so many people. And like, well, I don't know how to get a business like this. You, you got to be creative. You yeah. got to put yourself in their shoes and figure out how it, this other person has something I want and how do I explain to them and bring them over to my side. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's sales and that's negotiation. That's what I love. Yeah. I've done so many real estate deals. Like, here's a house I want. How do I get it for nothing? And I ended up having several properties where I got for 250 bucks. Right. And once again, it's why I love real estate because there's so many ways to creatively finance properties. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. So, what do you think about ATMs? They seem similar to vending machines. I think we're doing a video later today with one of Vegas's largest ATM guys. Okay. And they ate the ATM business is wonderful. You think it's better than vending machines? Yes, it is. Um, but you need to be better at sales and uh, negotiations than with them. A lot of these uh, ATMs I run into, they're two and three grand uh, to buy for a low end model. You can get them used. Um, then go all the way up to 10 grand for a really nice ATM. And I know all the va- ones that we've run into here in Vegas are like $8 per transaction. Jeez. And they're just getting hit all day long. I mean, I don't know how many people I talk to 
um, Saturday and they said, I can't believe the ATMs here are $8 a piece. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure the guy I'm doing a video with later day is making $8 for every person that walked through these casinos or whatever, because I'm pretty sure he has most of the casino contracts. Yep. And it's just $8 for a machine when somebody needs money. My laundromat is cheap. It's a $2 ATM machine. I don't own it, but I partner with the guy that has it. Um, and we do, it's d generating for the owner 150, 200 bucks a month. Uh, he, all he does is contract with a company to bring in and refill the cash. Um, that's a very risky world. A lot of people watch me and they are like, oh, Brandon, you're going to get robbed. Someone's going to get your bag of quarters. I'm like, who cares about that? <laughs> that would be a great YouTube video. I'm not telling anybody to rob me, but man, if I had to throw a bag of quarters or up in the air and just run, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> Don't do it, but it'd be a funny video. Unless got, we're yeah, filming. Yeah. As long as I'm filming, it's great. It'd be yeah. fun. So, um, but ATM business is much more risky because a high volume ATM machine might be running through 20 or 30 grand worth of money every few days. So in that world, you've got to be, if you want to do the money refill process, it is very risky, but you can outsource it to third-party service like a, a Garter, Brinks, uh, yeah. Dybul. They'll it's just funny. service my, it. My producer, Justin, used to work for Brinks. Oh, wow. And so he would refill banks and ATMs and he had his armored truck he'd drive around and he's yeah. always strapped, just yeah. waiting. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've, I've grew up, uh, two churches ago, we had a couple guys that were armored car drivers. Mm -hmm. I just thought that is he, incredible. He was world. making like 30, 40 grand a year as an armored truck driver. Yeah. I was like, I think I got a better job for you. Yeah. That's that, but you're not going to have your life at risk either. Yeah. That's my buddy, Brandon in Tennessee. Love the guy to death. Yeah. He upgraded, uh, to driving a dump truck or sorry, not a dump truck, a garbage truck. It that is was, an upgrade. It was sure. an upgrade. These yeah. guys make a lot more money and they're not trying to get killed. Yes. So the ATM biz, you said this guy only makes 200 bucks a month from it. Oh no. At my laundromat, the guy makes 200 bucks a month. He has a thousand of them. Okay. And, and all across Southern Ohio. So yeah, he's making yeah. two, 300,000 a month. I know. How, yeah. I know how much he's making. He's making a lot of money. Yeah. I don't, I do I'm sure he won't appreciate it, but he's one of the richest guys in Southern Ohio. Wow. So yeah. I mean, is that saying much though in Southern Ohio? Well, cost of living. <laughs> I can, the I can, richest guy in Southern Ohio yeah. makes half a million dollars a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should see how, what I can buy for a million dollars in Southern Ohio. Oh, that's, I know. That's like I, my goal. I always hate on the Midwest, dude. That's I'm, fine. I'm just like, dude, I don't know who's living out there, why they're choosing to live out there, but man, there's better places. And I had to go fix, I had to go check on chickens two weeks ago and it was negative 35 with my I show. know. I, man, you'd have to pay me so much money to live out there. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't even know what the number, like I would probably live out there for like 25 million a year. That's, yeah. Someone would have to pay me that to live yeah. out there. So, and the thing is, in the Midwest, it's not twenty five million out there. It's more like twelve million with the cost of living difference. Unless you want to bank it and put it it's in, probably something more else. like five million. Yeah, five million. I'm living like you know the prince of the Middle yeah. East. Yeah, I know there. a place and uh, not far from where I live because I'm pretty close to Kentucky. They still have land for a hundred bucks an acre. It's crazy. <laughs> one of these days, I want to do a little bit better with all my businesses and just take you know, like a million cash down to Kentucky and just yeah. buy just a, buy everything. buy a principality. I have my own little micro nation full of Airbnbs. That'd be sick. That's not much of a joke, but I'd love to do it. That's no, like, you know yeah. what? You know what we should partner up on. You go buy all that land and stuff, and um. You know, with Tykes, you were you were at the event. Mm -hmm. We talked about the future of real estate and some cool things that are innovating. And one of those innovations are 3D homes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really thinking about um, how we could start a business in Tykes through, you know, our, our fund and things that we're mm -hmm. going to be doing in Tykes um, to go start a 3D printing company. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that because I know a lot of guys in that space. And there's, there's 3D printing and then there's other building methods that are cost competitive with 3D printing. Yeah, like They're, prefab. A pref I love prefab and off-site off, off -site built homes. Yep. They're not popular here in the West, but in the Midwest, we've got... Um, like I guess out West shipping container homes are pretty big and I've talked to a couple big shipping container home builders and then they come out with their cost per square foot trucked to a site. And I'm, I'm asking them and I'm like, how much is your cost per square foot? And they're in the 150, 175 range, it's almost similar to a 3d home printing company I ran into. And in, I think they were in Austin, Texas. And I asked, well, what's your, your landed foot? And they said, Oh, 125 without infrastructure. And I'm like, I know guys that are in the, um, 
the manufactured home business, not trailers, right? But um, where they take pieces of a home, bring them out with a crane. And I got quotes under a hundred dollars in this environment per mm-hmm. square foot. Yep. So cost competitive. I really like that, especially me being in the Midwest. I can find Amish builders. Like that's one of the things like I'm thinking in the background is Amish and Mennonite building companies that can do offsite prefab homes because their cost of skilled labor in Ohio is nothing. Yeah. And the, the skill quality is astronomical. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We're, we're very, very interested in prefab, 3D, yeah. all these ways that can build for way less cost, way faster, et cetera. Yeah. Um, 3D is just very interesting because you can do things that are impossible yeah. with normal building. I'm, and I, I, I agree with that as for me, medium to high level homes. Yeah. I'm still... I'm, You're talking lower, lower homes. I, I'm yeah. still very much in the lower one, especially I'm always concerned about how society views real estate investors yeah. and the, the business because I get so... I get... I don't know if you've ever had a death threat before, but I've had multiple ones and they're like, you are a slum Lord. You have all this low income housing and different stuff. I'm like, no, this is the business that I'm in. I have to evict people. The reason I sound so hoarse, this isn't my normal voice. I was in a hoarder house that we evicted. We finally got over the moratorium and Noah's over there laughing because he was in there with me and I'm sick. I got a sinus infection from dealing with a hoarder house and I'm in that low income space and I look at, how can I develop low-income housing in these extremely litigious environments yeah. and show them, well, if you want a f- housing to be cheap, this is how you do it. So let me build a, di- a subdivision over here with very affordable, very safe housing. And then, you know, potentially getting a partner, let me build high-end housing over here right. and give me the zoning variances that I need for both these projects at the same time Yeah, with the, the ultimate goal of getting the best of both both worlds. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's amazing. Um, and I think that with technology, we'll be able to get the best of both worlds. We'll be able to yes. build very cheaply, but provide an amazing product. Yes. And I think that for the amazing product, it's going to be some time. And I don't know what the time horizon on it is for 3D printing. That, yes, there's going to be some point with 3D printing or something that looks a lot like the current build-in-place additive concrete. Yeah. Well, my point is I want to be the guy. Yeah. Yes. You need to be the guy. You have to be the guy. And if you're doing it through NFTs and your tax project, then yeah, we are. Who, why go with anybody else guys? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who, for those who don't know, and I don't know when this is going to get released, but, um, we're launching a second collection for Tykes called Tykes Unleashed. And so with Tykes Unleashed, um, it's basically going to be our group where, it's anyone who wants to invest yeah. in these different businesses and real estate deals. And so I get businesses sent to me left and right every week. And up to this point, I've bootstrapped everything I've ever done. Um, so I've never allowed investors to come in on mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Um, but that's going to change, obviously, with Tykes Unleashed. I'm going to yeah. allow people to invest with me mm-hmm. in these different things, whether they're accredited or not, because we're going to take them through a process. Yes to become sophisticated investors. Yes. And I actually, someone was breaking that down to me at your after event. Oh, really? Yeah. They were going and they, they said, were hyped. <laughs> oh my goodness. Were they hyped? They said, he's going to take us to a sophisticated investor through NFTs. I was like, all right, shut up. You need to just calm down. Explain to me. Yeah. Did you say what I thought you heard? And he was explained to me. And I'm like, I've done the um, accredited investor thing a few times before. And I'm like, no way you he's really doing this through tykes and i'm like this is mind-blowing i'm i i am sure no one's ever done that before no no and one that's, has it's, it's incredible so i'm even excited about what you're doing not just with your tykes unleashed project and i know very little bit bit about it but just what's that go that what that will do for nfts as a whole world mm-hmm. for everything in the web three type space it's just going to be absolutely revolutionary yeah no i'm excited to kind of pioneer the way um but yeah we're going to take them through the process so that even a non-accredited could invest with us on these deals and like i said we'll, we'll have normal deals where it's like all right we're going to go buy a, a mortgage company and whatever, right? But then we're going to have more high risk, high reward deals like a 3D printed company, yeah. for example, right? Hey, we're going to, we need a million bucks. We're going to go yeah. buy a 3D printer. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go do everything and let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, can, can you imagine the amount of exposure to tykes and everything else? If you go buy land, I go start the 3D printed money, raise the money from our mm-hmm. community. Yeah. 
we create content, build yeah. these homes, yeah. provide low-income housing. It'd be sick. Yeah, it would be absolutely. And then the whole process is documented from the back end to the front end through the whole way. Can you imagine how much media content that would be? And you get that benefit of everybody seeing the whole process through this very transparent thing. Yep. So much, you know, I get so many people, I did an interview with NPR recently, mm-hmm. which I'm so thrilled, so blessed to be able to do. And they said, why, why has this changed? Why do you know so many people in the world that have gone and they've lived in abject poverty, like I grew up in, and they are extremely successful? And I said, we've never had this level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Humankind has never had a device in their hand that has the sum of all human content out there. And they're like, oh, wow. And I said, it's not done yet. And they, it's not done yet. I said, no, because there's so much more that can be documented in between social media creators on the finance space, on the building space, on the real estate space. Can you imagine how beneficial that would be for the world to see a company that you acquire or you start or you, however that looks like 3D printing homes and saying, this is what we're doing. This is the benefit to the community. And importantly, here's how much it costs and here's how much it made. Yep. So then everybody in that transaction is just benefiting like it's it, great for it, everyone. Yeah, it'd be revolutionary. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. So anybody interested, um, I don't even know the URL. So we'll link to it down below in the description if you want to get you a Tykes Unleashed. Um, there are a limited amount, and we already had <laughs> a ton of them sell at the event. So who knows how many are left at, yeah. at this point. But uh, go check it out. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about that. I love your heart for low-income housing too. Um, and I, I just really think, like I said, technology will allow for low-income housing to work in an even more sustainable way. Because, yeah. I mean, to your point right now, it, it, with a cheap home, it is what it is. Like, yeah. it literally financially doesn't make sense to go out and upgrade and make this thing balling nope. out. And nope. But, you know, somebody's got to provide some kind of housing yeah. for these people. Yeah. Um, but an, another business that you mentioned that I think is interesting is car washes. Mm-hmm. What's up with those? Well, I mean... <sighs> They're building new express tunnels all over the United States because of the amount of private equity money that's out there available. Mr. Carwash did an IPO uh, recently, and it would, be, it would be almost like when Tesla, maybe not when they IPO'd, but as Tesla's market cap just kept increasing and increasing and increasing, and they got, they've got to this point or depending on when this video releases, the yeah. price not might not be great. But they essentially had a bigger market cap than, than the entire auto industry. And everybody and their brother was trying to figure out, well, how do you manufacture cars? And so now you've got a lot of other brands like Rivian and, um, oh, shoot, the other company that had the original Lucid. Tesla guy. Lucid, and there's another one. Um, but there's there's all these different companies that are trying to copy Tesla mm-hmm. because they their IPO figure was or their their market cap so much farther than the revenue. Well, we kind of had the same thing in the world of car washes with these subscription based models where they drag your car through the uh, the the tunnel and they wash it because when Mister Car Wash IPO, their revenue numbers absolutely sucked, but their valuation I want to. I'm going to throw out numbers and they're wrong, but it just gives you that scale. They're, they're doing like a hundred million in net and they IPO'd it over 10, 10 billion dollars. hundred <laughs> X. Yeah. It's like a hundred X. So the thing is, well, what does it take to start a car company and manufacture a car? And you ask somebody, it's practically impossible. What's it take to actually build a car wash? Well, it takes land and it takes concrete and it takes some car wash equipment that's existed for the past. F- the first automatic car wash that I've ever seen pictures of was the mid sixties. So here's this technology that's existed forever. And you have a payment kiosk that runs on a stupid little windows 10 computer and it tracks your subscriptions. It's none of this stuff is rocket science. So then you've got all these people throwing PE money and building car washes. So on the car wash front, I'm concerned that in the future, there's going to be a glut. Right. But there was also a glut in the 90s when it came to everybody and their brother wanting to uh, hand wash, self-serve car wash in Bay Auto because they were, they were doing on new construction, they were, they were in 20% um, cap rates. And they overbuilt them between 1990-ish and 2000-ish. They built way too many of them. Um, the operators were passionate, passionate about it for a while. You know, the, it's easy 
to make a lot of money when you're the first in a business that's really, really growing. Right. But to sustain that, it can become very, very difficult. So you saw that with car wash operators in the nineties and two thousands, the equipment started to age out, started to break and you end up in a nutshell nationally. And I think this is ultimately what's going to happen with all these express tunnels with a, a microcosm of my car wash. We bought it. Um, we had equipment that failed all the time. Someone ran the car through it physically wrecked their car in the car wash. <laughs> we got a decent insurance payment out from it took some of that money and retooled the whole location, made everything brand new. I, I got an NDA, so I can't say actual numbers on my car wash, but it has bumped our revenue and our margins up just incredibly. To so, get By getting new equipment? By get, just getting new equipment, making it look nice for the customer. Mm. And it's not, and we had all these plans before we even set on it. Um, just making a, a nice, safe location with current technology that's going to provide a clean car wash. To so that guy did you a favor. Yes, he did. He did. Very thankful. It's like, uh, it reminds me of my mobile home that got, that burnt and got caught on fire. It, it made me about 50,000, um, that otherwise probably wouldn't have been there. Yeah. So I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I don't know who did it, but good yeah. on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what, like, I guess there's so many different types of car washes. Like mm. I, well, now I use mobile detailing, which is great. Yes. So every two weeks, guy comes to my office here and yep. details everything but you know i've seen the car washes where they're hand wash mm-hmm. i've seen like you described the monthly subscription yep. i've seen the one where you self-wash yes. um where, where are these things coming revenue wise um so like i i don't have good statistics on uh full service yeah or mobile um i know they're good businesses but it's just that i haven't looked over the books of enough of them to get confident and say oh this is what the numbers i do um, I've, I do have seen some full service ones and they charge about $150 per car Yep, and they're doing north of 10, 10, they're in the 10 to 15 million range per year. Wow. Yeah. And they've got really good margins because they're, they're, they've got a really good system for finding really good employees. And I'm, I'm if my understanding is right on a 10 to 15 million gross, they're doing two to 3 million a year net. That's amazing. Um, for the owner's pocket. So on your average, typical car wash bay that you self-wash a car nationally, they do $2,000 per month per bay. The, your average automatic does six thousand, six to $8,000 per month per bay. So if you figure out your average car wash like mine, that has uh, three self-serve bays where you spray your car down one automatic, just based on standard statistics would be, should be in the 12 to $14,000 a month range with a 35% margin. So wait, what are what about like um, these Mister Car Wash? Just like they only have one thing. Yes. How so do those work. Th- so the deal is, th- there's a statistic that says that for every foot that the conveyor belt is long, you can wash one car per hour. So if you have a tunnel, uh, express car wash is 200 feet long your maximum throughput is going to be 200 cars per hour. Okay. So most of those guys, they have very low gross revenue due to the subscription model. But the guys that I've talked to, they're doing about $350 to $4 per car. So in a great location, doing 200 cars an hour at 4 bucks per car, that's $800 per hour. And they're fully staffed, so you might only be working for 10 hours a day. Um, simple numbers, $800 per hour, 10 hours a day at maximum output. That's eight grand. But they're getting subscription. Yes. And so, that's that's where the numbers get really weird because that's what they're doing on average. Um, yeah, because most people probably don't even use their subscription. Yeah, I've seen the numbers, and I don't I don't know how happy people would be for me to talk about it. And it, But it ends I, up... I guess is okay. people don't even use it. 30% of your people wash their car once a month. Yeah. And then, so at a twenty nine ninety five, you are printing cash. Yeah. And then I've seen... The, the people who paid that are dumb. Yeah. So yeah. then you have the lower echelon of people, then they wash their car every single day because they got to get their money worth. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're Which charging... Which is terrible for their paint. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm... <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say that because I'm supposed to say, well, no, car washes are great. They will never hurt your car. They, they they will never damage it. The soap's great, but yeah. 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 Uh, if you get your car washed 365 times, I can promise you your paint's going <laughs> to feel the effects. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> not a great idea, but they want to get their money's worth. And then as a car wash owner, you end up spending, you know, the margin on a car wash. You know, some car washes are really efficient, but they still, still spend 
75 cents to a dollar worth of labor and soap and water to wash that car. So if they're going through the um, car wash every single day, the, op- the operators are not making any money. But then those people that wash their car once or- It's like a buffet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they need to just cap these people and be like, hey, your max is 10 times a month or something. Yeah, I, I, I could see that in the future. I'm yeah. just, it's going to be interesting to me to see what happens in this recession. I really wonder- how subscription services and subscription models are going to look if the average American really starts to fill the pinch and job losses. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody's going to go on and just start wiping out their subscriptions, which, you know, this is Brandon's theory. We'll see if it happens or not. But my theory is they'll start coming back to my car wash that we don't have a subscription model. It's just, you're going to go pay three bucks to go wash their car. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're going to wash their car down by hand and pay three bucks. So they're going to pay me 10 for my lowest automatic car wash. Right. And I think that's going to happen, but we'll see. I could be totally wrong, but our revenue numbers, even through the recession, they're already up. So with the 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 subscription base, though, what did we say that those guys probably make a month? Um, it depends on the operator. Um, I what is their range? Oh, gosh, six hundred thousand on the absolute lowest range a year, gross, not net. Yeah, to where I know guys doing twelve twelve to fifteen million per location. 12 to 15 million a location. I know a guy that has a dozen and he said that his express tunnels are doing a million a month per location. That's crazy. And, and that's a, on the recurring model. Yes. On that, that's on the recurring model. So it's been very good to those, kind those operators. But the problem is those numbers get out in the industry. I mean, it, I don't know how aggressive you are about uh, business research, but it's nothing for me to pay a kid $10 an hour, have them sit out in a car and just count cars or count customers going into a coffee shop. I've looked at buying some coffee shops. I'm like, okay, their average ticket size is $4 and 50 cents. That's just their menu average pricing. I want you to sit in front of this place for the next week, four hours. We'll use Google reviews to back end engineer their traffic data to figure up their high points, low points of the day. We're going to get a mixed usage on it. And I'm going to have you tell me how much this coffee shop's making. I'm telling you, anybody that has a big busy business like that with a recurring subscription, it's nothing to have a kid park a car across the street and count how many cars ran through that, that well, car wash. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can't be the only guy that does that. Yeah. No, I, I haven't done any research cause I haven't been looking at buying these kinds of businesses. I've always just started my own random ones, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember one of my buddies was telling me, he's like, bro, Because in Vegas, I've seen so many of these brand new Mm. monthly car washes pop up. And anytime you see a lot of something, you're Mm. like, oh, these guys are making a killing. Yes. You know. Absolutely. And so. And the money's been cheap for them to access because all these PE firms are willing to fund investments in in tunnels. Right. Yeah. So they're raising capital, starting these things, making millions. Mm. But it's probably getting close to capacity. I got to imagine car washes are like storage units. Yep. And and that's, it's like, I've got storage units. I love them. I make, it's so easy. I don't do anything, but my, I don't collect the money. My office manager collects the money. I just get a report every month and it's great. But then the, the competition can be fierce. And I've even run into, I got a call on the way here to Vegas that, my city passed an ordinance that says no more storage facilities. They will there's not. There's just too many. There's too many of them. They won't zone them anymore. So now my small facility, someone asked about acquiring it. Yeah. I mean, that's good news for you. Oh, it's great less news demand. for me. Or yeah. I mean, less supply. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to ask you, I think this is going to be a new segment. I ask all of our entrepreneurs, sure. um, what would you do based on everything you just told me if you were starting from zero? I would... Join my local real estate investment association. Okay. Because that's where all the big money people are nationwide. And I would attend as many meetings as I could. And I would ask everybody in the room, what do you need? And then I would, based on their needs, I would find somebody that had a need close to my skill set. I'd say, how can I help you? I'll help you for free for the next three months. And after that, I want want to be paid whatever it makes sense to work for you in your business. Mm. And the guys that I know that went from nothing to multimillionaires all had something to do in that vein. They all 
basically were mentored yes. is what you're saying. Yeah, I haven't run into too many people that are just like... They figure it out. They figured it out. And there's people that do it on the internet, but... And I think, you know, the internet is such a wonderful tool, but it should just be a springboard right. to finding people that are local. It should help you define your mission in life. It should help give you, should help you dream and help you get some inspire, vision and some, yeah. ba- inspire and get some basic knowledge. But then you need to be plugged into somebody or a community. And I know you've got a community um, yeah. that you've got and you're mentoring people and you're training people. And for me, if I can get down on the local level it, just a little bit more, it, it will amplify. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, as much as I love everyone listening to this podcast and watching the YouTubes and stuff, majority of people who only do that will do nothing, mm-hmm. right? If, if they're starting from zero. Yeah. Now, granted, if you're already making things happen and you watch this, then for sure, it, it can be even more valuable. But to answer the question of starting from zero, um, I agree. You got to have some kind of mentorship because you probably... 99 out of 100 people end up doing nothing. Yep. Um, mainly because they're not focused, they get discouraged, they, you know, don't have confidence. There's lots of reasons. But, you know, if you want mentorship, there's two ways it's going to happen. The first is how Brandon just said, <laughs> you're going to go work for free yep. and earn it, right? And people aren't just going to be like, hey, you know, let me let me train you the next three months. It's like, no, nah, dude, you're going to make some cold calls. You're yep. going to go knock some doors. You're going to go do grunt work and things that the business needs to go make money. This is not like me sitting down and training you for three hours a day. Um, Or you're going to go pay for it. And that's the route we have. It's like, yo, you want to pay for it and own your own business right off the bat? Go pay for it and learn. Yeah. So 100% agree with that. So you're still obviously a firm believer. You're starting from zero, get in the real estate space. Yes. Yeah. That would be my thing because it's easy. You know, you have a vending machine, 500 bucks a month. You you flip you a house. That. Yeah. You, you flip one house, you do one wholesale deal, you get one rental property. The money that you're going to make is just so much more. Yeah. And it's not that it's easier, but realizing that that's the money to be made, it, I think it's more motivating. Yeah. I mean, and there's obviously people out there that are motivated to for that $500 a month extra income. And that's great. That's wonderful. If, that, if that's your, if that's you, and you get excited about doing the vending machine thing, getting money, restocking the machine for five hundred bucks, more power to you. That's wonderful. But for people, I think that are in the cold calling phase, it sucks. I hate cold calling. <laughs> I don't know how much cold calling you've done. I've done a lot of cold calling. I, we're doing a segment right now on you know Brandon cold calling. <laughs> it's awful, and it's every bit as bad as I remember it being. I'm way better at it today than I was 15 years ago, but it sucks. And for real estate, and I, 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 we do cold calling for laundromats and car washes too when I train people. And I, and they're like, oh my gosh, I got, you know, I got cussed out and I got called all these names I've never <laughs> been called before. I didn't even know what they're saying. And, you know, it's just, it's harsh putting yourself out there, trying to get a business deal done on real estate or uh, car wash and laundromat, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah but you're setting yourself on a pathway to make a million bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, if you had to make a thousand calls for a million dollars, would you do it? Yeah. It's a thousand bucks a call. Yeah. And for me, the payoff with real estate is just so good. Mm-hmm. And the payoff for real, for lawn rats and car washes is wonderful too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. One thousand percent. And the thing I like about cold calling too, I, I'm, so truthfully, I didn't get started that way. And you know, I developed my, I guess, speaking skills and negotiating skills from my couch flipping days. You know, I negotiated same thousand thing. plus couches. Same right? thing. So same thing. I developed in a different way. Thankfully, because of that, I was able to not have to necessarily do it in real estate when I transitioned there. I had already realized how to negotiate mm-hmm. deals and prospect and all that stuff in other ways. But um, yeah, I think you develop those skills doing grunt work. They're going to pay off for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know that Everything I learned as a sales guy for real estate has made me a better YouTuber. It's made me a better yep. podcast host. Yeah, it's absolutely. made me better at acquiring businesses and raising money and, you know, all these other things. So your skills start to compound over time hmm. as you keep growing them and developing them. And they don't have to stay in the same industry. Yep. So, yep. but I, but I love that you said too, you're like, hey, if the $500 vending machines for you, great. But it, it's like a supplemental income. Yeah. It, it's like your, your skills shouldn't be, man, I got to 
go own 40 vending machines and then I'm good. Yeah. That's my career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, and then there's other people that they learn to negotiate lease space for a vending machine. They learn to negotiate with a laundromat owner. They learn up that skill set in vending and then they transition to something else. But I think that people, if you're really passionate about it, it's just one of those things where you'll, you'll figure it out. So if you're going to figure it out, you know, do, do, do some vending and some real estate. Do mm-hmm. both at the same time. You're capable of it. It might take a little bit longer, but I think that people would find themselves very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Are there any other of these like kind of weird side hustle things that we didn't talk about that are I'm not aware of? Uh, no, over there flips uh, dirt bikes and two cycle motors because oh yeah, just the flipping really, anything culture. Flip it, flipping everything cultures absolutely awesome. Um, Eric on my team, he does a lot of um, video editing. Yeah, you could you if you have a decent PC, you could get into video editing so easy. Yep, um, we're, we're, we're into that now too with just, wealthy media. Yeah. There's there's so many ways to make money. It's hard for me to just say, oh my gosh, this one thing is just all this income. You talked about mobile detailing. You you utilize mobile detailing. That is not a business that is difficult to get into. No, not at all. My the kid who does my car, he's 19, 20 years old, and you know, he's making four or five grand a month mobile detailing himself. And, you know, it's basically just water and soap. Yeah, it's water and soap and you have to get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that to me, um, is a great side hustle, a great thing. I, I'm from the Midwest. I don't think that the, you have gutter cleaning businesses. We don't have in that Vegas. Out here, no. Out, out in Ohio, you go to a high-end subdivision. All you need is a ladder and a bucket, and you can make a hundred, oh gosh, 150 bucks an hour doing that. Wow. That's one that I really, really like. Um, I know Cody, Cody mentioned it, and I, I mentioned it in videos too. Putting up and tearing down people's Christmas decorations, you become. A I've paid for that many times. Christmas decoration company, and I ran into somebody. I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is genius. They set up a Christmas decoration subscription company, so you pay it years in advance. Bro, I told my wife this. I was like, if somebody did that, I would pay for it because. Okay, so we've been married almost. We're going on year ten. Oh wow! Thank you. It's it's been congratulations. She married a crazy person. And it's funny because the first however many years, you know, we decorated ourselves. We were broke. I'm over here on roofs, like decorate. Imagine me doing manual labor, putting lights up, like going to die. And I did this for years. And finally, I started doing really well in real estate. And I I think around 2018, I was like, (laughs) babe, I should not be doing this anymore. Like if I fall off this roof, it's bad news for all of us. And so we started hiring a company. Well, the company would come out. They would take our existing lights and, mm-hmm. and decorate and do all the stuff. And I don't even remember what we paid. It was like 500 bucks or something. Yep. And I'm like, I'll pay him 500 bucks. But I was like, you know, it'd be even better than this. I hate storing these lights for 11 mm-hmm. months. Yep. And it's just taking up all this space in the garage. I'd rather these guys take all my lights and then just bring their own crap every year. Yes. And take it away. That, that's something I've run into this year, and and, and it's a sub- subscription model. I ran into, right around start of COVID, a couple companies that they were offering it, but it wasn't a subscription model. And the subscription model is just absolutely... They, the, one of these companies even brings the tree into your house, and either you decorate it or they decorate it for you. Dude, I'll Maybe they tear it down. Like, and honestly, if they wanted to do a subscription, they could do it seasonal too. Yeah. Hey, Halloween time. Yeah. We're going to go do your house. I, I, I saw one two weeks ago. That's Halloween too. Yep. I would totally do that. that business. I would buy it right now. Okay. So like, well, no, I mean, I wouldn't buy it. I would buy it as a consumer, oh, but okay. I might buy it as an investor too. Yeah. I think it's a great business. We'll have to get Cody wrapped into a deal and she can acquire the company. And then you just, you're the end user. <laughs> I'll, I'll happily pay as the end user. I don't, <laughs> but I would like to see what the margins are. There, oh, I could, we could go yeah. over those. The margins are very high. I mean, physical, that's the one labor world. You can pay I'd someone say, 15 bucks. 15 bucks an hour and they get on a ladder or you pay them really nice, 20 bucks yep. um, to get on a ladder. Um, you have to store the lights. And I know when I decorate my house, you if you run a business, you're not buying lights in uh, September, October, November with the crowd. You're buying them wholesale through the, the glut months. So then you're, you February. have- to, to do a $500 decoration job. I ran into somebody, someone on my Discord that did this. They went down to Dollar General and they had bought 
all of the decorations for $25. $25, I kid you not, because they, they do paper mache and they, they can cut stuff. So they're yeah. really crafty. Top of their game. They sold their service to somebody, and they're one of my LA people, 2500 bucks, Dude, I mean, I get it. I get it. I get why people pay for it. I'm one of those guys. It, it makes me think, like, you know, Spirit, Halloween, they're so big. Yeah. I just want to know what they do the other... 11 months yeah I, I i don't know um but i ran i ran to guys that do firework companies same thing and i was like i want to know your margin he said oh it's easy three to five hundred percent yeah and i said three to five hundred percent he said yeah that's after we do buy one get one freeze and i said so you're telling me that pack of firecrackers that we're not supposed to have in ohio that i pay 15 dollars <laughs> for is actually like three dollars he said oh no sometimes it's a buck for me <laughs> and i said no wonder Just you're gunpowder yeah i'm like no wonder you are in a tent in a in northern Kentucky or Indiana yeah. in a Walmart parking lot when it's a hundred degrees in there selling that stuff and he said, yeah he said I have a tent I buy my product and he said I'll make fifty to hundred thousand dollars in three weeks <laughs> I'm like whoa I mean it blew my mind and you know, he's telling me they say yeah I have this little tent on the side of the road in northern Kentucky because for the longest time Ohio fireworks were illegal we right. just legalized them. And it's just, I took a trip with my family to go uh, do something, and we drove through Kentucky. That's And I'm funny. like, every Walmart parking lot had a, some guy in a tent with fireworks. Making a killing. Oh, it was incredible. I love it, dude. Well, there's lots of ways to make money in business, man. I, I That's one of my focuses, help people make more money. And I'm glad to see you're out there doing the same thing, man. Um, appreciate you coming out to Vegas. I appreciate your you. story. and. You know, I'm excited to go do some things together, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So guys, if you're not following Investment Joy, go check them out and uh, go check out our first interview that we did too. It's a good one. We'll yeah. link to it here. If you click this slide right here. All right, I'll see you.